Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss, to just living better and with more energy, or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey, you're on air with Ella. We're about to jump into a quickie episode with Tilly and I. It came from such an interesting question that we actually asked of you. We asked a simple question in our 21 days of movement challenge, and then again on social media. And that question was, do you consider exercise to be self-care? And if so, why? It was really, really thought-provoking what you said and why, and I've captured so many of your comments from those different outlets, and your quotes are a part of the blog post for this episode. So many of you who commented, you're famous. You're in the blog post for this episode. You can find that at onairwithella.com slash 194. Now, you know that the show description below this show in the podcast app that you're listening to you know that links you straight to the blog post for this episode, right? You do know that. Okay, cool. Okay, before we jump into this, though, I want to share a promotional offer with you. I have started using Audible to listen to so many of the books that I just don't have time to read. So most of you know or have heard of Audible, but it's Amazon's audiobook app, and it's available everywhere. Wherever you are in the world right now, you can get Audible. For me, instead of listening to podcast after podcast after podcast about what I'm supposed to eat and not eat and like a hundred ways to market my business that I'm not doing (laughs) and all the other podcasts that I was listening to sort of past the point of value. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I love podcasts and I still listen to my core group of podcasts and I still do a bunch of research for the show. But instead of just being on autopilot with that, I'm starting to listen to more books and I'm really digging it. So I did some digging here and I have a link. If you use my link, you can get one book free, a 30-day subscription for free, and then this is just for a limited time. So this might be gone by the time you're listening to the show, but you can get 50% of the first three months of your subscription off. So that means you get one free month and then the next three months after that, you get 50% off. That is if you go through my link because it helps the show. So this is like a win-win. I'm going to put three book recommendations. I want you to download all three, but you can just pick one. I'm going to put those in the blog post for this episode. And if you use my link to access that, you're helping support the show and getting smarter at the same time. Win-win. Okay, let's jump into the show with Tilly. This is is Exercise Self-Care. Here we go. Hey, Tilly. Hi, Ella. How are you doing? I'm good. Okay, so listen, we asked a question in social media, and it kind of blew up, and I really want to talk to you about it today. And it was such a simple question. It was, do you consider exercise to be self-care, and if so, why? What does that mean to you? And it just blew up. People had a lot to say. No, it was fascinating, actually. I didn't I didn't think it would be such a trigger. But I mean, from, from our interest in the whole head game and, and all things sort of personal improvement, we know that how you think about a thing, how you frame it in your mind has a profound effect on how things work out for you. But yeah, I didn't realize that the whole self-care thing would be so fascinating. 
Exercise, obviously, is a massive area for the head game because because everyone listening knows if you think of exercise as punishment, then it's going to be harder for you to do it um, than if you think of it as fun. But equally, if you see exercise as an indulgence, you might put up barriers to making that happen, you know, or, or, or barriers to prioritizing it for yourself. So, for example, when I first started exercising, I felt acutely aware that I was doing something for me. That's partly because it was a time in my life when I had two children under 18 months old. And I was running a company and we were a little bit short of of finance. So spending money and time on myself was something that I wasn't it, that wasn't central in my life at the time. So starting to take time to go to the gym or pay for gym memberships or anything like that felt like I was treating myself. Because when you have two babies under 18 months old, somebody else is looking after them if you're not, you know. So it felt like I was going clothes shopping or getting my nails done. It was sort of me time. So I developed quite a dil- guilty relationship with it, actually. Yeah. And that's honestly why we pitched the question out there is because it was so interesting to see how people thought about it. And of course, it totally depends on how you define self-care, right? And and generally, there were two main schools of thought here. And one was, yes, exercise is self-care, and that's really important. And the second one was, no, it's no more self-care than brushing your teeth, meaning, you know, it's fundamental and it's not at all indulgent. Yes, it seemed like a really straightforward question, Ella, but it unlocked a lot of insight into where people were coming from emotionally on exercise. And I think it's worth digging down into that because that is the key to how you engage with it and whether it happens or not. Okay, I think it's more useful to actually drop the focus on semantics, honestly, and just like take a look at that. In other words, I don't really care if you call it self-care or not. What we care about is how do you view taking care of yourself in general? Does that feel self-indulgent or does it feel as mandatory and required, you know, as brushing your teeth? Like we said, is it a priority or does it come last? Do you put your oxygen mask on first or does it feel like you're getting your nails done? (laughs) Yeah. So the first time you said to me, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first. Honestly, Ella, it it really surprised me because I felt like, you know, every time I'm on the plane and they say that, I think, well, yeah, I know they say that, but like I'm the exception. I, I I love my kids so much. I would have to, you know, it's like <laughs> except you're passed out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I would kill myself rather than do. Yeah, exactly. So it's a really fascinating thing. This brings up loads of emotional stuff for people. So you're right. Moving aside from the semantics, I think the issue is when people have a guilty relationship with looking after themselves, and I I, th- I think that's quite common, and it, it comes from sort of an economic model. The economic model would be that there's sort of a limited amount of resource and that allowing yourself something takes something away from someone or somewhere else. Does that make sense? Yes. And as women, I mean, sorry to generalize. I think it's annoying when we generalize and also true. That's what makes it even more annoying. (laughs) I think we tend to feel like that automatic, like we default to that position. I feel like if I'm spending time on myself, I am taking that time out of someone else's pocket. But then the truth is, Ella, that there is a certain amount of realism in that. Time is a finite resource and and you have to be realistic, you know? Yeah. And I mean, sometimes going for a bike ride, for example, or spending time at the gym, as you said, it does mean taking time from (laughs) elsewhere. Like that's just reality. And often, like you said, from someone else and whether that's kids or our partners or even work, that's still someone else or some other thing that has claimed your time. So yes, it is true. And therein lies kind of like the constant conflict, right? Yes, exactly. So for some people, it's almost medicinal. It's like your body needs it. So you exercise end of. And for other people, it's like getting their hair done, you know, some kind of indulgence that they feel, 
you know, is a treat rather than a deserved. Honestly, to me, the only reason this debate even matters is because of what it raised for us in terms of prioritizing our own needs in the face of competing priorities that we are acknowledging is true and why. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my breakthrough on this, I think, will resonate with some listeners who are struggling to find room for exercise in their lives, because I was actually only able to find time for movement once it was no longer about my personal appearance. So, so, So here's the thing started exercising because I had put on a few pounds and I felt like, oh, I need to do something about that. So exercise was sort of about a body hack. It was sort of about punishment. It was sort of about shame. It was about all kinds of things that were about changing my body, essentially. So as soon as it stopped being that, and as soon as it started being simply something I do because I have a body with a divine right to move it, it stopped being a guilty thing for me and just became something I do. I have a body and I move it. So you're saying that when exercise was a thing, you did almost like punishment, (laughs) like, I have to do this, I have to change the way that I look, it went in a different category for you. And then when you started looking at it as something that was movement, because it because of how you wanted to feel that day, right? Like, like we talk about, instead of because we we should or because we have to change our body. Was that the trick for you? Yes, exactly, Ella. And actually, it, it speaks to something deeper as well, because I'm doing quite a lot of thinking at the moment about this kind of, um, well, I, I call it the unapologetic pursuit of joy. But the idea that you're allowed to want good things without having earned them through bad things, you know, when actually maybe you should just exercise because it feels great. And I am trying to move away from from that kind of um, earning the right to have good things and just having good things because I'm alive and free and strong. Oh my gosh, I do this so much. And I don't I would not consider myself to have a particularly like, I don't have martyr tendencies so much. I mean, I wouldn't characterize myself that way. And yet, Tilly, I do this all the time. Like if I want to take time out of a weekend, which is invariably going to take time away from someone else, right? And I want to go for a bike ride or even just 30 minutes at the gym. I find myself explaining it always and using language like, well, I have to do this so that I can do that. Or I'm going to need to go ahead and do that. Like I just couch Mm -hmm. it with qualifiers or I explain it. And incidentally, nobody is even asking me to justify anything. <laughs> That's the amazing thing. Right? It's some crazy head game that you play on your own, right? Like, like no one's interested. Like, I'm, I'm totally doing it to myself. It's like, I'm going to need to take 35 minutes to myself, but there are four reasons why. Yes, exactly. That I've uh, and and that's why for some people the model of self care and exercise isn't that useful because if you have some of this kind of martyrdom in you, I think sometimes we get into this thing where we're like, you know, no one wants me to do it, but I am going to do it, and 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 then it's that kind of you're worth it, hun mentality where like <laughs> where it's all still based on this idea that the world is trying to stop you being happy and that you've got to fight for it. And it's it's a model of scarcity that doesn't, it doesn't serve you. For a lot of people, you know, this martyrdom or, or what, this, this pattern of thought, whatever you want to call it, means pushing your own desire to exercise to the bottom of a to-do list is the first thing that gets bumped out of our calendars when things get tight or it's the first thing we stop doing when we have a relative to stay or, or, or whatever the thing is. This makes for a really compelling excuse because you can you can make that true whenever you want to. Whenever you want to, you can use the demands on your time from other people as a very noble reason to opt out of something that honestly we don't always really feel like doing, which I would put exercise in that category. So in other words, that excuse is always there and it's almost always noble. And yet what I have found to be consistently true in my own life and in so many people that I talk to, right, is how important it is to take care of your physical well-being if you're going to be able to show 
up for others. Like, even though I would love for us to do it for ourselves, I would argue that it's really important to put your oxygen mask on first because it makes you a better resource to other people. So what I mean is when I'm not taking care of myself, Tilly, I am a hundred percent not showing up as well as I could. I mean, not at work, not with my family, not with my spouse, not at all. So I would argue that even if you needed to appeal to your obliger tendencies or your more martyr-like tendencies, there's still a case to be made. We show up better for others when we take care of ourselves. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. This is one of those things I'm learning from you. You know, this is definitely something that I've not been brilliant at. I somehow got the idea that I was an infinite resource that I could keep applying to everything else to move everything else along and never refuel. And actually needing to refuel and do the right things for yourself uh, it is a very sane and practical thing to do. There are no prizes for being burnt out. And it's not easy. Like it's not even particularly intuitive. Oh, yes. And also it's complicated. You know, I mean, th- there are a number of reasons why we might prioritize other people's needs over our own. Quite often because we're afraid of the fallout. You know, other people get cross with us when we let them down and, and we risk them loving us less for a little bit, which is painful. So we avoid it. There's just a more obvious consequence to letting down other people than ourselves. So we go for the short term, you know, avoid pain rather than the long term feel great. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think it takes confidence and maturity. You know, now I think I'm starting to get to a stage where I can think my husband would rather watch the TV with me right now and might be a little disappointed if I say I'm going to skip that show and go for a run. But he will get over that disappointment. Our relationship can survive it within a few minutes. And I think I want to prioritize the run, you know, I, and, and I think that does take maturity, Ella. Yeah. And you know what's so funny is we act like it's a zero sum game. Like I have to take care of myself or other people. And the truth is like we could take care of ourselves first and then focus on the us, right? It's not necessarily a binary trade. We act like it is. Yes, absolutely. And it's never helpful. You know, staying in the murkiness where things mean several things at once is usually a healthier model. What do you mean? I mean that it's not a zero-sum game, just as you said, really, Ella. So so it's not you or them. It's not being a good member of your family or being healthy. Those things generally can coexist very well. We need to do some really conscious thinking about what we agree to do for other people, maybe what we already have agreed to do with other people and whether that's okay. Because as you said, Ella, really... um, A lot of the time we're making it up. You know, I can come home and apologize for having done something indulgent that feels indulgent. And my family are like, what? Were you gone? You know, I mean, it's not always a thing. (laughs) This is so true. One of the examples that springs to mind for me is our generation of parents. It seems as though that we feel that we have to attend every single activity, every single sporting match, every single thing that our kids do. And we have to be there and witness it all in real time. I mean, my parents, they were not plagued by that burden. I can just tell you right now. No, no, no. Totally different childhood. (laughs) I don't know what it is. I often think about this, and this is probably another show, but I often think because our generation's done so much therapy, you know, we just live in fear of our children sitting with a therapist saying all the things we didn't do. So we do everything. Oh, no, I'm I'm keeping notes for my kids' therapist. (laughs) My my husband and I literally say, well, that's one for the therapist <laughs> on the regular. But like my challenge for the parents amongst us and the caregivers amongst us is, do we really have to sit and observe the kid's entire swim practice or... 
Or could we walk around the gym? Could could you even get in the pool and like tread water in a corner while swim practice is going? <laughs> like, could you actually spend a little bit of that time at the gym taking care of yourself or walking with a friend instead of observing every motion and movement? <laughs> that yeah, is, no, I, actually, I'm really glad you said that because I literally do that. I take mine swimming once a week. And while they're in there with the coach, I go down one of the little corridors in the building and do some sit-ups. Um, <laughs> I love that. There were people in our 21 days of movement challenge who started using that time instead of losing that time. And it made me so happy because again, some part of us feels like it's self-indulgent in that moment, which is actually a little bit nuts. However, I also think, and this sounds a little harsh, but I think we make it a really noble excuse. I do. Yes, I do. I do. I think, you know, things generally have more than one motivation. And we w may well be motivated to watch a swim practice, but also be motivated to sit on our butts instead of doing something. I mean, yeah, absolutely. maybe a little. I'll raise my hand at that. <laughs> But also, I wanted to say, you know, not everyone's a parent. My friends that don't have kids will either work obsessively and feel that they can't do this, or they will feel that they need to devote more time to friendships or to parents. You know, we all have our noble motivators, and they are worth unpicking for sure, Ella. And that, to me, is why this conversation was so useful. Like, is exercise self-care to you, it doesn't really matter either way. The real question is, what are you doing in your head that's either making this feel accessible, important? mandatory, required, or optional, self-indulgent, etc. Like that's really what I wanted to pick apart here. Yeah. And as usual, but from perhaps a slightly different angle, Ella, you know, for me, I was wondering about self-care as an idea more generally, because because it, it somehow we're being a bit discreet about it. Like if it feels quite commodified. So when, when you say self-care is a discreet thing, it's like it's purchasable. It's a separate thing to the rest of your life. And if you have something in your diary that says my self-care or an equivalent, it creates a sense that everything else in the diary is not self-care. Huh. It's setting up a division. Do you, do you see what I mean? Tell me more. Yeah. So, so if we make self-care a discrete entity and every, everything else around it becomes not self-care. So we have to hustle for these little bits of me time, these indulgences or nourishments or whatever it is. It's not a very integrated approach to life. And I wonder if we could actually make room for a less bounded notion. Like surely there's room for a, a concept of self-care that's a general approach to life. What if your life was a nourishing thing? What if caring for other people and working and the way you did everything had self-care stitched right through it, you know, so that it wasn't something that you had to keep to one side and binge on now and again and the rest of the time treat yourself badly. I suppose I'm arguing for a life that, that has self-care running right through its veins, like all of our decisions would be built with an assumption that life should be nourishing rather than depleting. And without apology, right? Yes, without apology. You're worth it, hun. <laughs> okay, so let's summarize. Be conscious of the words that you use and the frameworks that you employ when it comes to things that you have decided are important to you. And I would say, Tilly, you know, get curious about the mental games you play in between thinking about something you, quote, should be doing or wish you were doing and the act of just doing them, you know, be aware of what you're doing in between those two things. Really, this is a call to examine the models in your mind. Are you making excuses? Are you fishing for permission? Are you setting up a model where good things have to be bought by enduring bad things? Because it's your body and it's your life. And there's really nothing to stop you setting up a way of thinking about things that allows you for the unapologetic pursuit of health, of, of joy, of well-being, of valuing all of those things that surround you. 
All right, guys, don't forget to try Audible for one month free, including your free book from me. And for a very limited time, 50% off the next three months with Audible. Okay, click on the link in the show description or go to audibletrial.com forward slash on air with Ella. Who would ever remember that? I certainly wouldn't. So just use the link. Okay, okay. Have a good one. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.